You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to bridgesnashville.com. Christmas Eve, 1914. Earlier that year, World War II had begun. It was known as the Great War. Many lives had been lost and the world was completely in disarray. And yet on this particular night, everything seemed to come to a standstill. Although no official ceasefire had been called for, both the German and British troops put down their weapons and exchanged the fighting spirit for a Christmas one. Carols broke out from the trenches, and in their native tongues, each side wished the other side a Merry Christmas. The soldiers walked out onto the battlefield and exchanged gifts of plum pudding and cigarettes. There's even a documented case of soldiers playing a friendly game of soccer. It was known as the Christmas Truce of 1914, a moment where the fighting stopped and peace invaded the earth. You know, this series we've been looking at the story of all stories, the Christmas story where heaven and earth collided, where Christ came to restore relationship and reconcile mankind to God. Now, if you've missed any part of the series, don't worry. You can catch up on our YouTube page or go to our podcast. Just search Bridges Nashville. Week one, we looked at hope, that if you believe in hope, you can look at the world through a lens of hope and bring hope to the world around you. Last week, I talked about joy, how through the Holy Spirit, you can find joy in any journey. And this week, we're gonna talk about a government, a government of peace, Isaiah 9, verses six and seven. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7 says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now, this is the prophet Isaiah uh, speaking a message about the coming of Christ about 700 years before Jesus was born. Israel at this time was a divided nation. The northern kingdom was completely demolished by Assyrian forces. Peace wouldn't be the first word that would come to mind to describe the government in Israel. You know, the word government here is this Hebrew misra, and it means rule or reign. Isaiah was speaking about the coming Messiah. So think about this, the government will be on his shoulders. Jesus was crucified on a Roman cross. Quite literally, the government was on his shoulders. And verse seven is so beautiful. It says, of the increase of his rule and reign, and peace, there will be no end. You know, right now in our world, we have so many opinions, news stories, and arguments over government, don't we? I mean, that's the freedom and the challenge we find ourselves living in, in a democracy. The people have the vote, and they definitely have the opinion, and people love to share those opinions. Now, it doesn't matter which political party is in office or has the majority. There are always complaints. There are always problems and scandals and so on and so forth. Why? Because it's a government run by people. And people will always have agendas. They'll have flaws. We have sin, right? But imagine a government where none of that was an issue, where there was perfect order. And this is God's government. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace in this passage. Prince, of course, being a royal term, literally the son of the king the son of the God of peace, Jehovah Shalom. 
Jesus was bringing a new kingdom, which last week we talked about that, right? Romans 14, 17 says that the kingdom of God is of righteousness, peace, and joy. So come on, who could use some more peace in their life? You know, one of my daily prayers every morning is for peace, clarity, and direction in my life, in the way I lead my family, the way I pastor. And every decision I make, I want peace to rule in my heart. Now, it's been a hard year to find peace, hasn't it? This verse has been an anchor for me, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. You've heard this many times. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Just as joy is a fruit of the Spirit, so is peace. And we can have it every single day if we live out Philippians 4. God can breathe his peace into any situation, just as he did on that very first Christmas. It wasn't a very peaceful time. Let's look back on the origins of the Christmas story 2,000 years ago, and we find a lot of chaos surrounding the scene. Mary, she was a virgin teenager, and she had just announced to her parents that she was pregnant, but it's okay, it's the Holy Spirit's baby. I mean, talk about getting shunned by her complete society. And then by the time the baby came, the only place she could find as a delivery room was a stable with a bunch of smelly farm animals. Not much peace. Then you've got Joseph. Joseph was a guy who was respected by the community. The Gospels make the point of saying that he's a descendant of King David. Joseph was a righteous man. So he was going to do the right thing by divorcing Mary in quiet, preserving her dignity and him and his, uh, but then an angel of the Lord appears to him by dream and says, listen, everything Mary has told you is true. Not much peace in processing that. And then you look at the nation of Israel. At the time, taxes were going crazy. There was anything but peace. King Herod was ruling the Roman Empire, and he was nuts. He murdered his wife, his mother-in-law. He killed his own three sons. And you may or may not know this, but Herod was actually part Jew and part Gentile himself, so he called himself the king of the Jews. So you can see why he was a little upset about hearing about the birth of the Savior. And in Matthew chapter 2, we see just how crazy Herod was when he'd ordered the death of every boy to and under all throughout Bethlehem. Not much peace. It was a mess. But God came to be with us right in the middle of our mess. He sent his son as the Prince of Peace. Now in the culture of that time, the son was often sent as a messenger and a representative of the father to be an extension of his voice. Listen to me, Christ was God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. He was bringing about the father's message and a new kingdom, a government of peace. Now we talked about the Hebrew word for government earlier, Misra. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. It's used as a greeting and as goodbye in Israel. People will often say shalom much in the same way that uh, we might say peace be with you or give people the peace sign when we're leaving somewhere. Funny side note here, this is pretty cool. Leonard Nimoy, who played one of the most famous characters on TV of all time, Spock in the original Star Trek, came up with the Vulcan symbol himself. Uh, it's like this, you probably have seen this. This is actually the shape of the Hebrew letter shin, which is the first letter in the word Shalom. So think about this as an intergalactic peace sign. Shalom doesn't just mean peace in the way that many of us think about it, right? Serenity, calmness, quiet, peaceful. 
Shalom is a completeness, sound, well-being, complete reconciliation. And shalom suggests the state of fullness and perfection, overflowing inner and outer joy and peaceful serenity. It's the type of life that only Christ can bring. Shalom was broken by sin in the Garden of Eden. And through Christ, the second Adam, as he's often referred to, son of God, son of man, shalom was restored. Now this again is part of the good news, the gospel, the life to the full that Jesus came to give us. He gave us shalom. But this is the dual way that God is working all things to be new, right? He has come and is coming. The kingdom has come and the kingdom is coming. I mean, we can tell that we're not quite yet in a place where all things are new, but we do live in a place where all things are being made new. This is the tension of living in the here and now, knowing that we have a calling and a purpose here on earth to be a people of his presence, a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. And yet we also know that this is not our eternal home here on earth. Shalom, full and true shalom, will be a restoration of the peace that existed once in the garden and will be the peace that we experience in the new Jerusalem, the new city of peace. Jerusalem is translated city of peace. Okay, so how can we have peace today? There's a way to live with shalom because Isaiah's prophecy continues in chapter 53. Verses four and five say this, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. Listen, by the cross, shalom was won for you and for me. When the Roman government was placed on his shoulders, the government of peace was placed on ours. You can have shalom in Christ today. I want to close with John 14, 27. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My shalom I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. and Don't be afraid. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.